When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, the real fear over the next couple of uh, weeks is uh, that there'll be more patients uh, than there are beds in hospitals, particularly more ICU patients, patients who are critically ill than there are ICU beds. It's not just uh, the lack of beds uh, because there is uh, the hope that uh, the hospitals will be able to use what they call surge capacity, and that's make critical care beds available to patients in other parts of uh, the hospital. But even at that, then, there's questions of available equipment and staff, available qualified staff to man these beds that will be open in other parts of the hospital. An ICU bed is not a bed. Uh, It's an entire care system and requires trained staff and qualified staff. So we have the kit. We have 1,800 ventilators. Uh, We probably only have 100 or so people uh, on ventilators at the moment. We have 1,800 ventilators. We have the kit, but having the staff trained up and ready to go uh, is a different matter. And some are at six, some are close contacts and they can't come to work. And lots are really exhausted after a very difficult year, which I think you will, uh, you will appreciate. But we can provide extra ICU capacity, which is the surge capacity. That's the tarnished uh, Leo Radker speaking in uh, the doll yesterday. We'll go to our Lady of Lourdes Hospital now. Dr. Ian Cunahan is a respiratory consultant, clinical director for the Department of Medicine and COVID lead at our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. And a very good morning to you, Dr. Cunahan. And thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, I'm sure you're very busy this morning. Uh, perhaps we can talk about ICU in a, a moment. But maybe you'd begin by telling us uh, about the situation generally in uh, the hospital this morning uh, and how many uh, patients you've admitted who have COVID. Uh, Good morning, Michael. Thanks for um, talking to me this this morning. Yes, it's pretty busy in the hospital, as I'm sure you're all aware um, from listening to the media. We've had um, 35 admissions, I think, medically uh, over the last 24 hours uh, and a large proportion of those would have been along our COVID stream. I know that yesterday, um, in the run-up to the data that came out at 8pm, we had the highest number of uh, new COVID admissions that were confirmed in the previous 24 hours uh, nationally at 25, um, which is significantly higher than any of the Dublin hospitals, um, none of which admitted more than nine patients with COVID in that 24-hour period. So it's quite busy. We've... um, we had 117 uh, confirmed COVID patients in the hospital yesterday evening. There's been a few more come in overnight. Some of them are awaiting uh, test results back to see if they do have COVID or not. Um, 
but yes, it, it's, it's quite busy uh, in the hospital at the moment. So at least 117 COVID patients, probably around 120. Probably about 120. 120, yes. Uh, and that's in a hospital that has, what, about 340 beds? Um, we have a, a little over um, 400, 400, 400 yeah. beds, but uh, obviously that includes the paediatric beds and the maternity beds. So in terms of beds that... Um, you know, our medical beds uh, with medically trained uh, nursing staff on the wards. That's significantly lower. That's frightening uh, to, to my ears. Uh, you're talking about about uh, a third of the capacity taken up with COVID yeah. patients. Yeah, exactly. And, and about is, fr- is frightening times, the right word or is that overstating it? Uh, it's, uh, I don't think it's, it, it, it's not frightening for us at the moment because I think there's, there's also a sense of, of calm within the hospital because everyone's busy. Everyone has experience of looking after these patients and the patients, the, the general patients, which are who are also coming in, obviously as well. We're familiar with with managing, uh, and everyone uh, knows they just have to uh, try and put the head down, work hard, try and get these patients ready to be able to go home, um, and hopefully uh, get get everyone better and home as quickly as possible. I think it's worth noting that patients with COVID um, who are admitted to hospital have a longer average length of stay than the normal uh, medical patients that we admit. So the typical medical patient that comes in is is in for an average length of stay of between five and six days, but a COVID patient will be in hospital on average for 11 days. So the number of bed days used is is also Mm. higher. Some patients are sicker than others, uh, I gather. Uh, Those who are are less sick, uh, what are they being treated for? Well, the people who are less sick with COVID are still required to be in hospital. Mm. So... As you'll probably be aware, there isn't actually any treatment uh, proven to be of benefit for patients in the community uh, with COVID. So people who are at home with COVID and are unwell really just need to take some paracetamol for to manage their fevers and aches and pains. Um, but patients uh, who come into who are admitted to hospital are usually admitted because they have low oxygen levels. So they can't breathe or they're finding it difficult. They need, assist- all, they need assistance to breathe, is it? They're not all necessarily um, find that they can't breathe at rest. Some of them are comfortable at rest, but their oxygen levels are low and they need uh, some supplementary oxygen. So virtually all the patients that we admit um, come in for uh, to have oxygen treatment and also uh, uh, steroid treatment is indicated in those patients who require oxygen. And then you go to the other end of the scale and all of the steps in between where it becomes more difficult to breathe and people need to be assisted breathing. And that's where ICU care comes in. And well, I think the what, we, what we tend to try uh, and do is to, to avoid, um, you know, I know there's, there's a proportion of people in ICU, but of our 120 or so patients in the hospital, there's 10 patients in ICU currently. Not all of those patients in ICU are intubated this morning. Um, I haven't been up to the ICU at this morning, but I would imagine that about two-thirds of them are, in, are intubated. And what we're, we're, we've set up during the year are pathways for patients who traditionally would have been managed in the intensive care unit uh, and are now being managed at a ward level. So we have about 20 patients this morning who are on um, sort of high-tech uh, devices for delivering oxygen at either high flow rates um, or with uh, some assisted pressure to aid with the work of breathing uh, and that would have historically been provided in a high dependency unit or intensive care unit setting uh, but now we're providing that um, at award level and that's thanks to the great uh, work and um, 
efforts from our nursing staff, both within the, our respiratory ward and the experience that they've um, divested out to other non-respiratory wards that are managing COVID patients as well that may have been surgical wards before or general medical wards, but are now looking after predominantly COVID patients. That's 20 patients uh, who are, are being assisted in breathing on top of the 10 patients in the ICU. Yeah. Uh, how many ICU beds are there in the hospital? Well, there's less than, there's, there's less than 10 beds usually. Um, so we have, uh, we have capacity to, to increase the, the number of beds, uh, obviously above our usual ICU complement, and uh, we have a surge plan to, you know, to, to escalate. Certainly we can reasonably comfortably manage uh, vent, you know, having about twice as many people as we currently have in ICU. In ICU. Okay. Well, we don't want to frighten people unnecessarily. No, I think that really the important message is we want people who need to be in hospital to be in hospital. And we want people who are worried that they're having other medical problems, like, you know, anyone who's concerned they're having a heart attack or a stroke or, um, uh, you know, feel they need to be in hospital, they, they need to come to, to the hospital or at least they need to contact their GP um, and have um, some assessment with their GP um, in the, to, to, to figure that out. Okay. And if possible, if it's not an outright emergency, you're advising the people contact the GP or the doctor on call uh, before going to the hospital, I take Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the GPs have... Um, I was very pleased to hear that G- the GPs for Loud and Meath have set up um, a community GP hub uh, just this week. I think it opened on Wednesday. And that's based in Slane. And access to the GP hub is through your own GP. So that's for... Uh, because as you'll be aware, the GPs, um, from a, a risk and safety point of view, it's it's not uh, realistic for them to be bringing patients who have COVID into their own practice uh, because the risk both to them but also to their other patients. Um, and so it's a huge challenge for them to determine who might uh, be well enough to stay at home or who might need to go to hospital. And so now this community hub that's opened in Slane will be accessible um, for for patients uh, upon referral by their own GP um, if there's someone that they feel needs to be seen in a face-to-face capacity uh, and clinically assessed to determine whether they're well enough to stay at home or whether they should be um, assessed in the hospital. What's the level of absence at the moment? So... This morning, we've got 314 staff uh, on COVID leave. That's staff who either have COVID themselves uh, and are infectious who are out, staff who've had COVID and are um, not recovered and not well enough to return to work, and also uh, close contacts as well. How does that uh, compare uh, to the total number of staff? That sounds like an awful lot of people out of work. um, It's just under 15%. My God. Uh, You spoke about the wonderful work that the staff are are doing earlier on and uh, we are all very grateful. Uh, I know uh, people speak about the healthcare workers uh, quite a a lot and we uh, applaud the work that you're doing. But I I think uh, that uh, you'd prefer something more than uh, the applause uh, that you could do with some help. And uh, I think that it's in everybody's hands, as the phrase goes, to help you to do the work, given the extreme pressure that you're under, uh, as you've outlined for us. Uh, And uh, maybe if you'd bear with me for a moment, uh, we'll hear from Professor Philip Nolan and some suggestions for our listeners here. If people don't keep the reduction in their social contacts uh, as they ha- to the levels that they have been doing, 
uh, over the last uh, week or 10 days, then that decline in case numbers that we're seeing now will not be maintained and the expected recovery that we might see in our hospital system over the next few weeks will not happen. And that's over the next few weeks, uh, Dr. Cunahan, because I think it's expected to get worse as things stand over the next two weeks because there's a, a lag between the case numbers and the number of people who are being hospitalised. Um, yes, I think so. And I think, as you'll be aware, we don't, uh, we're not confident that we have accurate number of cases uh, reported in the community currently because we've stopped uh, testing contacts and certainly I have a, a sense and it, it's probably only anecdotal but that there's a higher proportion of close contacts uh, are positive uh, in this wave than um, previously in, when we started testing close contacts uh, particularly within the hospital in, in April and May. So I think uh, at the moment we're still seeing people who, you know, there's a, it was certainly I was on call last weekend and there was a very classical pattern of people who'd had uh, multi-generational gatherings at Christmas time and they learned that one of the people at the gathering was positive a few days later and then they developed symptoms around Christmas Eve and they became sick around the 9th, 10th of November. So typically around uh, 9 or 10 days following their first onset of symptoms or their diagnosis when we're seeing people coming into the hospital. Right. Um, we were looking at the figures uh, this morning. One in 67 people nationally have had a, a positive test in uh, the last two weeks. That drops to one in 40 in County Louth and one in 26 in uh, the Dundalk South uh, local uh, electoral area. Uh, that means it's very prevalent and you have to assume that you have it or other people have it and you have to reduce the social contacts, uh, as Professor Nolan was saying a moment ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, really you should be aiming to have no household contacts outside of your um, outside of your household. Um, that clu- includes for us in, in the workplace, in that we're all wearing uh, you know wearing masks and trying to also keep uh, distance from anyone we're in contact with. If we're um, if we're examining, if I'm examining any patients who have COVID or uh, potentially have COVID, I'm you know obviously wearing. Uh, personal protective equipment uh, that's suitable for that. Do you know uh, how many patients in the hospital developed COVID when they were in the hospital, that they caught the virus in the hospital? I don't know that, uh, the the figure exactly, but certainly that has happened. Um, We go to extraordinary lengths to try and uh, avoid that happening. But as you'll know, um, the hospital was built a long time ago when there was a lot less... uh, known and priority around uh, infection prevention and control and we're really not in a facility to you know we can't we, we're not in a position to dramatically reduce the number of beds in the hospital um, at the moment uh, so I think unfortunately there there has been some transmission and people have acquired uh, COVID within the hospital which has been very sad. Uh, can you give some uh, advice or maybe give some indication uh, when things might change for people listening to us uh, this morning who have had procedures cancelled, uh, uh, some operations, I, I gather, have been cancelled uh, and uh, some other elective uh, procedures, planned uh, procedures uh, for that matter? Uh, well, we're reviewing that on a week-by-week basis. Uh, we've had to cancel um, some of our endoscopy uh, procedures, which we've been trying to keep going with uh, just this week. Um, as I say, it's being reviewed week by week. We're trying to uh, 
we're trying to continue with care that is time dependent so patients who will uh, have an adverse uh, effect from not having their any treatment uh, within a three month period to try to continue with that but there, that has to be balanced with the risk as you highlight of someone coming into the hospital um, without COVID who acquiring it while they're in and, and that leading to an adverse outcome as well. So we'll continue to assess it on a week by week basis but I think it's safe to say that we'd have to see a reduction in the numbers of patients with COVID in the hospital before we'd be able to resume uh, usual scheduled care. Okay, you're speaking to people uh, this morning who, if they do get sick, uh, quite possibly will see you, Dr. Cunahan. I'm sure uh, they don't want to see you because they have COVID, and I'm sure you don't want to see them for that reason either. Uh, Perhaps uh, you conclude uh, by speaking directly to them. Have you got a a message for our listeners this morning? I think the the three things I'd like to say to people are, one, uh, is really to stay at home and to not have contact with anyone outside of your household. uh, And Number two is is to come to hospital if you're unwell and you feel you need hospital care uh, because I don't want to see see, uh, people that are sick at home that need to be in hospital. And the third thing is to also to remember that your GPs who are your point of contact in the community are are having a really tough time this year. It's been a very stressful uh, year for them. It's been very new uh, and change in practice for them and to be nice to your GP and be nice to their reception staff who I think have had a very difficult year as well. Okay, well, we appreciate your time. I'm sure you're a very, very busy man, as are all the staff in the hospital. And uh, I know that uh, people listening to us uh, this morning are are texting and so on to say thank you for the great work that you're doing. And thank you for joining us for that matter on the programme this morning. That's uh, Dr. Ian Cunahan, respiratory consultant and clinical director for the Department of Medicine and COVID lead at our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda. We'll stay with that message uh, for the moment uh, because, as you've been hearing, uh, some procedures uh, and some planned operations uh, have been cancelled or or may have to be cancelled over the coming weeks. We have stopped providing some other services such as uh, non-urgent surgery, some day day services and also uh, outpatients and that's with a view to providing more staff to the core task we're at right now. In terms of guarantees, I think it's about coping as we reach the peak of this, which, you know, if the data continues to go, the the direction's heading a little bit down and population continue to apply with the requirement to stay at home by and large, which we're seeing strong evidence of, will hopefully, you know, see us through the top of this maybe next week sometime if we were fortunate. But we're really very dependent on public behaviour and that's the critical ingredient here. And that's Dr. Liam Woods of the HSE. Michael Reed on LMFM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.